So pretty, pretty crazy, pretty crazy stuff. All right, we're still in Luke, and uh, today we're going to uh, continue on beginning at verse uh, 31 of chapter 4. If you want to read with me, you can do that. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath, he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. Let me just say this. So that word, be quiet, the, a literal translation for that is be muzzled. In other words, Jesus looks at this guy and says, put a muzzle on it. <laughs> it, it. See, we thought we came up with that, but no. So there you go. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you're the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place and the people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. We love your word. Uh, we, we know that it's true. We know that there are things that you want to speak into our hearts today. We know that there are things that you want to do in us today. And so we open ourselves to you and we say, come and have your way here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Jesus uh, goes down to, to Capernaum. And Capernaum is a, is a city center, it's a busy area, it's crowded, it's full of people. And Jesus actually moves there and they, they live there and they operate their ministry out of this, this place of Capernaum. And on the Sabbath, he teaches in the synagogue. Now, if you remember last week, he gets run out of a synagogue. They get mad at him and they run him out. But here he is right back in the synagogue teaching again. And the people are amazed at the way that he teaches. They are amazed at the authority uh, with which he speaks. Uh, most of the rabbis in that day, they taught opinions. They taught their opinion of God's word. And, and they, they wanted to set precedents for their ideas. Uh, Jesus is different. Jesus doesn't teach his opinion. 
or anyone else's opinion of God's word. He teaches God's opinion of God's word. Uh, he, he speaks his father's opinion because he knows his father's heart. And they're amazed because he's not saying it could be, he's saying it is. Uh, he speaks with authority and they've, they've never heard anything like that before. In verse 33, uh, in the synagogue was a, a man possessed by a demon, evil spirit. And Luke, Luke in his gospel makes a distinction between uh, demonization and physical illness. And sometimes they overlap and, and sometimes uh, demonization can look like physical illness, but they're not the same thing. Uh, in Luke's gospel alone, uh, demonization or demons are mentioned 23 times. Now, the demon recognizes Jesus, and he makes them nervous. Uh, Jesus makes uh, demons very nervous, and, and they yell out because they're, they're terrified of him. Uh, and, you know, he, he's not, I mean, they're not a big deal to him. They're not, he's not concerned with them. He's already stood up to their boss and you know the, the little guys are not really impressive to him and so Jesus actually does say be muzzled and uh and then you know and, and again the people are amazed actual word in this particular part where it says they're amazed at him because he speaks to demons this way and they do what he says is they're dumbfounded they're dumbfounded at, at this authority that he carries so for the second time in just seven verses people are placing an emphasis on the authority that Jesus walks in. And uh, uh, Jesus performs this deliverance with, with relative ease. I mean, it's, it's, not a, it's not a big deal. He just says it and it happens. In, in verse 41, we do see that the demons recognize him and, and then he tells them what to do and they do it. Now, my, my guess is, educated guess, that most of the people in this room, probably all of the people in this room, have encountered uh, demonized people. Uh, you, you may have known it, and you may have not known it. Uh, sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's not obvious. I, uh, I, 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 one time I was in a coffee shop talking to a guy, and uh, he growled at me, <laughs> and that's not normal. Now, when... <laughs> When I, when I lived in Athens, I had a lot of people that barked at me, and that's, that's normal. Um, but th but this, guy, this guy growled at me, and, and I looked at him, and I said, I know you. We've met before, but right now I'm talking to this other guy, so you're going to have to be quiet. And, and he did. And that's, it's that easy, okay? It's that easy. It's not complicated. Um, the, the way to minister to demonize people, the way to deal uh, with the demonic is to look as much like Jesus as possible because they're scared to death of him. They are terrified of Jesus. Now, hear me clearly. You don't have to pray special prayers with special words. You don't have to read special books. You don't have to hear teachings by special people. The way that you deal with the demonic is you look like Jesus. If you are following Jesus, if you are submitted and surrendered to Jesus and you are walking with him, then you are behind him and they will see him before they see you. 
And when they see him, it scares them to death. And they will run. And so the way to be powerful is to be weak. Submit yourself to Jesus and trust in his strength and allow him uh, to fight the fight. If you are following Jesus, they'll see you before they see him. Uh, look as much like Jesus as possible. Uh, look like Jesus from the inside out, and you'll be successful. Now, let me say this. There, there's a story in the Bible of some guys who get beat up by some, by some demons. And it's, just a, it's a good old-fashioned whooping. And uh, if you're from Alabama, you know what that is. And uh, here's the problem. This is what they say to him. They don't say to him, we're going we're gonna to whoop up on you because you didn't pray the right prayers, you didn't say the right words, and you hadn't read the right books. They don't say that. They look at them and they say, we know who Jesus is, we know who Paul is. Who are you? This was the problem. They could see them. If they had been submitted and surrendered and following Jesus, the demons would have looked at them and seen Jesus. And they never would have asked the question, who are you? They would have said, oh, it's you again. We're leaving and been gone. So submitted and surrendered to Jesus. Um, demonization is, is really, it's not demon possession. Like, like how many of y'all watch that zombie show? It's not that. Okay, it's not that. And, and I'm glad nobody raised their hand. Some of you watch it and you wouldn't raise your hands. That's okay. Um, it's not that, okay? Demonization is where, you know, uh, uh, an evil spirit attaches itself to you. Uh, it's a stronghold. It's an area where you have given in to sin and you are, you're walking in sin. You're allowing sin to dominate you, okay? God, God wants you to be free from that. So... Again, verse uh, 37 uh, says that the news about Jesus spread, and the actual word there is, would, is closer to uh, uproar. There was an uproar in the area over what Jesus was saying and what Jesus was doing. Uh, now, in verses 38 and 39, Jesus leaves the synagogue, and he goes to Peter's house. Now, get this picture in your mind. He, he goes to Peter's house. More than likely, Peter lives in a one-room house. You got that picture in your mind? One-room house. Now, in that house, put Peter, his wife. I don't know if they had kids, maybe. And his mother-in-law. So now you understand why Jesus, when, when Jesus said, come and follow me, Peter was like, I'm, go, I'm there. <laughs> so they're in this one-room house, and Peter's mother is sick. She says she has a high fever. Now, in those days, they, they broke fever into two categories. There was a, a small fever and a big fever. Small fever and a big fever. Small fever was, was kind of like malaria. Uh, big fever like typhoid, dangerous, life-threatening, and, and she has a big fever. She has a serious fever. And Jesus leans over, and he rebukes the fever, and it leaves. 
And then as the sun is going down, it says that people start bringing all the sick. They start bringing all the sick to him. And, and he touches every one of them. He touches every one of them. Now, um, we laugh at David Eldridge because he doesn't like to be touched. David is the pastor of our, the first church that we planted over on the square, uh, Stonebridge. And, and David says, you know, and if, you, you know if, if I do on a, on a week, in a weak moment, allow you to hug me and, and you feel, you know, my hand doing this on your back, he, he says, I'm, I'm not patting your back, I'm tapping out. That, that means stop. This, there's, that's enough. Some people like to be touched. Some people don't like to be touched. Um, but, and, and I think you should respect people's personal space. But I want to say that, that uh, we need to be touched. We really do. Whether you like it or not. Probably, chances are, if you don't like it, you probably need it more. <laughs> need to be touched. We need to be touched by Jesus, but we also need to be touched by Jesus' people. And, uh, and that's you know, one of the reasons we do ministry the way we do it here is because we believe in, we believe in laying on of hands, that there, there's power in that. God tells us to do that in his word. Uh, one of the things I love, we mentioned night of healing prayer. One of the, my favorite thing about night of healing prayer is coming in here and just sitting in the soaking room and, and knowing that people are praying for me, but I, I promise you, my favorite part of them praying for me is when I feel their hand touch my back or touch my shoulder. Uh, there, there is a power transfer that happens. There's a life transfer and a transfer of healing that happens through touch. And, and so... Um, I would just say, if you're one of those people that just doesn't like to be touched, that maybe you need to be touched today. Uh, most definitely, you need to be touched by Jesus, and it could be that the bridge for you to be touched by Jesus would be for you to come during the ministry time today and be touched by some of his people. They're not going to punch you. They're not going to push you. They're not going to blow in your face. <laughs> They're just going to lightly touch you and pray for you. Okay? All right. So Jesus touches all of them, and, uh, and they're healed. And then verse 42, it says that at daybreak, Jesus goes, and he finds a solitary place. Uh, Jesus placed great value on solitude. And, and we find several times in Scripture where he, he goes off by himself. And, and I, I want to say the world is really loud. Have you all noticed that? <laughs> the world is so loud and so busy, and I, I think maybe louder than it's ever been. And I want to encourage you to find a quiet place. Look for quiet places. You know, we, we need to search out quiet places. Now, I'm not suggesting you know, that you go live in a monastery for the rest of your life. Although there are times when it doesn't seem like a bad idea. But I am saying find moments, hours, maybe even days, where you can pull apart from the busyness and the loudness of life and be still and be quiet 
There's a reason why in Scripture God says, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know. Now, the people come, as they always do. Jesus is off. He's enjoying some solitude. He's spending time with his Father, and the people find him because they always do. And when they find him, they, they want him to stay. And you know what he says? No. Hmm. Interesting. You know, some of us have fallen into the false belief that to be like Jesus means that you say yes to everything. Some of us think that to be a Christian, if you're a good Christian, then every time somebody asks you to do something for them, you're supposed to say yes. Jesus didn't, so apparently that's not true. So we're just going to practice this right now, okay? Some of you really need to practice this. Some of you need real practice with this. Some of you are really good at this and you need to teach the rest how to do it. Okay, y'all ready? You just take your tongue and you just kind of put it against the front of your, you know, like this. It's right in the front and you just go, mm. Can y'all do it? Mm. Just go, mm. Everybody. Now go, no. 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 You don't have to add other words to that. Just a plain, simple no will do, okay? The Bible says, let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. So, say no. Learn how to do it. You can say no to me. Especially if you're one of those people who we ask to do everything because you're so good at everything that you do. <laughs> the next time we ask you, we've already asked you to do five things that week, and we ask you to do one more thing, do us a favor and tell us no. Great. Now, don't tell me. Tell Terry and Brad no. <laughs> That'll be great. Okay. So Jesus says, then, I must preach the good news of the kingdom. That is why I was sent. And then he goes to other cities and to other synagogues. And so that, that's kind of the pattern that he lays out. And, and this is how I want to I kind of walk back through uh, the movement of this passage before we move into a time of ministry. So we find when this story starts, we find Jesus in the synagogue. We find Jesus in the synagogue. He's ministering in the synagogue. And so for us, we would call that the church. He's ministering in the church. And, and I want to say about that, that Jesus is here. He's here. And, and he wants you to be here. And he wants you to be here often. He wants you to be here often. Now, I don't think that Jesus is really, really all that jazzed about the current trends of church attendance means once a month. I don't think he likes that. In fact, in his word in Hebrew, it says, Hebrews says, do not neglect the gathering together of the saints, the coming together of the body. Do you have to come to church to, to meet Jesus? No, but you might have to come to church to meet Jesus with his people. And, and this is a gathering of the saints, and, and Jesus wants us to do this. He wants you to be here, and he wants you to be here a lot. He really does. And so don't neglect the coming together of the body of Christ. There are things that God wants to do here, 
that he might not do in your quiet time at home alone, just you and Jesus. Um, most of the Bible is written to the community of faith more than it's written to individuals. And, and the saying better together is true. We're better together than we are alone. And we need each other. I need you. You need me. We need to be together. We need to experience Jesus together. And so Jesus, the presence of Jesus in the church is important. Jesus was in the synagogue. He was ministering there. Then from there, he goes to someone's home. Jesus wants your home to be a place of ministry. He does. Jesus wants your home to be a place of ministry. Guess who he wants it to be a place of ministry for first? Your family. Your family. Jesus wants you, moms and dads, to create in your home a place where your children feel safe and where they are fed the truth about God because a lot of what they are going to hear outside of your home about God is not true, about life is not true, about purpose is not true, about the meaning of life is not true, about what is right and wrong is not true. And so make your homes a place of ministry, a place where you disciple your own children. You cannot contract that out. We will help you. As a church, we place high value on children's ministry, on student ministry. We do. We're not looking to be your subcontractor. You know, I'm going to just give that to y'all and then I'll go do something else. No, not going to work. You are the primary player in the discipling of your children. We will help you. We are here to assist you, not to take over for you. Make your home a place of ministry for your family. Also, make your home a place of ministry for, for friends. It's a great place to, when you, if you have friends that are struggling, Invite them over. Cook them dinner. Listen to them. Pray for them. It's that easy. Make your home a place of ministry for friends, for family, for friends, and for strangers. Okay, now you're getting a little weird. <sighs> the Bible says that we're to open our home to strangers. So we need to work on that, maybe. Open our homes to strangers and, and, and let our home become one of the places of peace in this community. There are people who are they're just looking for a place of peace. Don't, don't you want to be that place? Yeah, so. Third thing that happens is Jesus, the whole city comes to him and he ministers to the people. And it doesn't say that he goes back to the synagogue to do that. So he's either still in Peter's house or maybe he's just outside of Peter's house or he's just in the, in the market. And they're bringing all the sick to him. 
bringing everybody. And, and I want to say a couple of things about that. Number one is there are some serious things that Jesus wants to do and is doing out there in the marketplace. And uh, I, I read yesterday that, that somebody who said that he believes that one of the uh, great, one of the places that the next great awakening was going to spring up, he, he, names, he actually names two places, um, political offices, wouldn't that be great? Political offices and teachers' lounges. Okay. There are things that God wants to do, is doing out there in the community. Be a part of it. Look for the ways that God is moving. Look for the places that God is moving and, and partner in those things, in the marketplace, in the community. We've got some people, some students here that are part of Riverstone that are at Kennesaw, Kennesaw State who are rocking it, guys. They are just praying, they're listening to the Lord, and they're just going and doing what he says on the campus. They're doing prayer walks. Uh, they're baptizing people, I think, in the community pools over there. And it's pretty awesome, huh? Isn't it? Yeah. It's amazing. Do you know that we have a guy who's a pastor of a grocery store? It's not his, that, that's not the title he gives himself. That's just the title I give him. He doesn't work at the grocery store. He shops there. Well, he doesn't really shop there. I don't know. Hopefully he's buying stuff there, but he goes there. He's a stalker. He's a Holy Spirit stalker. He goes to the grocery store and he just looks for people. I'm just going to tell you, if you don't want this guy to approach you in the grocery store, don't limp. Because if he sees you limping through the grocery store, guess what? He's going to come over and he's going to say, so you're limping. Why are you limping? He told me, in, he was in the airport this past week. He's pastor of airport too, apparently. <laughs> he's bivocational. He's in the airport and he sees a guy walk, limping. And he walks up to the guy and he says, you're limping. Why are you limping? And the guy says, oh, this normal limp. Normal limp, I, one leg's half, an inch and a half shorter than the other. And he says, oh, well, I know somebody who was prayed for and their leg grew. You want to try? Sure. Praise for the guy. Now his legs are the same length. I don't know if one shrunk or the other one grew. I, I don't know which one. I just know they're the same length now. And the guy's walking without a limp. He's the pastor of the grocery store and the airport. <laughs> yeah. I've told you all this before. I was walking in, in Kroger one day, and, and this lady says, she, she points at me and she says, aren't you that guy? And I said, I hope not. <laughs> I don't know. And I said, I said, what guy? And she said, aren't you the pastor of that church that prays for sick people? I said, yeah, our church prays for sick people. I hope we're not the only one. <laughs> and she said, my husband, my husband's sick. His back is all messed up. He can't work, so he doesn't have a job, and this, that, and other. And I said, uh, we'll, we'll pray for him. I said, bring him, bring him to a night of healing prayer, and we'll pray for him. And then she, she walked away, and I'm over here in the canned vegetables looking for green beans and it hits me. What? What did you just do? 
did you just say we'll pray for you and not pray for, for her? And so I found her. I tracked her down, found her over in the frozen foods. <laughs> Grocery store stalker. Found her, found her in the frozen foods. And I said, excuse me, can I just pray for your husband right now? Guys, it's, it's, you can do this. Everywhere you go, you're going to see people. If you pray, when you get up in the morning and say, God, open my eyes today to see what you want me to see. Open my ears today to hear what you want me to hear. And then show me what to do. Tell me what to do. When I see what you want me to see and I hear what you want me to hear, I'll do what you want me to do in the streets. And then Jesus goes to be by himself. And I, and I just want to say again, look for quiet places. Look for quiet places. If you want your house to be a place of ministry, if you want to be a, a person of ministry in the city streets, in the community, out in the marketplace, you must have a quiet place. You must have time where you pull away from the busyness, from the noise, and spend some time in the presence of God, just listening to his voice, being refreshed, being renewed by him. And then the fifth thing, that happens is Jesus says, this is the reason that I was sent, is to preach the gospel of the kingdom in all the cities. I've got to go here and there. I, I, I'm called to go everywhere, not just Capernaum. I've got to go. I've got to go to other synagogues and other cities. And I just want to say that the call of God on our lives is to be salt and light in our city, but also to go beyond our city. I believe that Riverstone is a great place. I really do. I love what God's doing here. We have amazing people. The presence of God is, is strong here. I do believe, as Suzanne said, that this is a thin place. But I don't want this to be the only thin place. I want to plant churches in other places in other cities. I want to plant so many churches in Cobb County that we have to go somewhere else to plant churches. And then I want to plant so many churches in that place that we have to go somewhere else. And so many in that place that we have to go somewhere else. And then somewhere else. And somewhere else. I want, we are called to take the gospel to the lost. And statistics show that one of the best, if not the best way to reach the unchurched today is to start a new church close to where they live. So we need to do it. We need to go to other cities. We need to go to other states. We need to go to other countries. Uh, if you have a chance, if you've never, if you've never been, sorry, Brooke, going to do it to you. If you've never been on a mission trip, never been outside of the country, talk to Brooke. Just stalk her. This is Stalking Sunday. Stalk Brooke and tell her, hey, I've never been. Where, where are we going? Where can I go? Uh, email her. Brooke at riverstoneonline.org. Phone number is, no, I'm just kidding. Just email her and tell her, I, I've never been. Can I go? Uh, you need to get out of this country. You all need to get out of this country if you can. And then come back please, most of you.
God wants to show you things in other cultures. He really does. So you can go. You can go long-term, you can go short-term, or you can help somebody else go long-term or short-term. There are people going all the time. You, if, you, if you can't go, if you physically can't go, help somebody else go. Give to their trip or pray for them. Uh, if, you, if you know someone who's going, who's been called to go long-term, especially pray for them and give to them. But there are things that God wants us to do in our community, but there are things that God wants us to be a part of outside of our community. Because, believe it or not, the thing that we are a part of is global. It's global. We are a part of a worldwide movement. How about that? I mean, that's a pretty big deal. So, those are the things. Jesus ministers in the, the synagogue or in the church. He ministers in the home. He ministers in the marketplace, the city streets. He goes and he spends time alone in solitude with his father. And then he goes abroad. He ministers, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. So that, that's what we want to do. And one of the cool things about this area, the Atlanta area, is that God is actually bringing the nations to us. And so one of the ways that you can go to other nations is just meet people here who are not from here so if you see somebody if they talk funny ask them where they're from and begin a friendship and be salt and light to them okay good enough all right why don't you stand i'm going to ask our teams to come and get in place I encourage you today, a couple of things specifically. Um, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never said, hey, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you. And, and you feel like in your heart today that that's something you would like to do, I encourage you to come and, and meet with one of these teams. Secondly, if you are one of those who just would rather people stay away from you, uh, that's probably not altogether good. And, and it's probably because you've been hurt. And uh, I would encourage you to come today and, and let one of these teams just put a hand on your shoulder, a light touch, and pray for healing and freedom for you. Okay? Third thing, if you would say today that you are a slave to a sin. God wants you to be free. Okay? God does not want you to be a slave to anything. He especially doesn't want you to be a slave to sin. And so I encourage you to come today and have one of these teams pray freedom for you. Because Jesus is going to be standing right in front of them, between you and them. And when, you're, when you approach them, my, my guess is that your sin is going to start crumbling before you even get to them. Because it's going to see them. And they're going to, it's going to see Jesus. And, and freedom is going to come so quickly.
you'll be amazed. Holy Spirit, we love the way that you work and we're confident in the power that you have to heal the sick, to save the lost, to free the captives. Come and have your way here. In Jesus' name, amen.